We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? We're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. Evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark Sundays. You would think it's all about football, all about the NFL, but it is not. It is a college basketball day. Officially, we have had the finals of both the Phil Knight Invitational and the Phil Knight Legacy. We've had basketball nonstop all day to cap off what has been an unbelievable sports weekend between NFL, between college football, between World Cup. Yes, I said World Cup. World Cup's been great to watch. I've been really enjoying it. My name is Rob Dosser. I have with me tonight Terrence Oglesby, the rifleman from Clemson, and finally, Geo Baker, shot maker, has brought a, a bit of shooting to the show. We, we needed a guy that could go out and get you a bucket. I've been stuck with T.O., does nothing but foul people, according to 21 Savage. Uh, we're here. We have plenty to talk about, guys. It was a wild day in college hoops. Xavier Gonzaga, great game. North Carolina lost to Alabama in probably the most boring four-overtime game in the history of four-overtime games. Villanova lost again. We got UConn and Iowa State playing right now. Gentlemen, this has been great. Uh, what's going on, guys? How we doing? I'm good, man. I'm real good. I'm excited to be on the show, man. So, you know, I'm happy to be here. I, I, I'm happy to have Gio on, and I'm hoping that me and Gio can keep a conversation going while this UConn game is still happening. While, uh, while we're going, we got to keep you focused, Rob. We keep as you as focused. long as they keep saying like that, that 10 to 12 point window, I think I'm going to be all right. You know, I think I'm going to be okay. I was okay last night. I think I'm going to be okay uh, tonight. Before we get into it, I think the th- first thing we need to talk about is, is Purdue. But before we get into that, uh, the tradition that we have here at the Field of 68 is your toast of the night. We cheers to one thing, one player, one coach, one team, one whatever that you saw throughout the day uh, that you want to give a little bit of props to. So, T.O., I am going to you first on this one. You know what? I'm not going to do – I'm going to cheers to all the MTEs here lately because – and specifically the Maui and the Battle for Atlantis. Why? Because they aren't put in these massive venues – and the fans and all the people that travel to said venues uh, make the atmosphere real. And I felt like Battle for Atlantis, it was electric in there. Tennessee versus Kansas. Uh, Maui, when Arkansas played Creighton, it was a, a madhouse. It was awesome. I feel like I love what the PK-85 did. I feel like Portland, obvious for obvious reasons, that's why they had it there. But at the same time, it didn't really have the environment, right? And there's a lot of great games happening, but you know they're about 30% of capacity. 
and that stinks. So I'm cheersing, cheersing. Is that the right toasting? Toasting, toasting, cheersing, skull, whatever, whatever you want to say to the smaller venue MTEs that are happening at Thanksgiving. So cheers to that. Gio, go ahead. What do you got? Yeah, I'm just gonna uh, toast toast the uh, coach Painter over at Purdue. Uh, you know, obviously they had a great weekend. You know, being able to basically just manhandle uh, Duke and Gonzaga in the same weekend. Uh, you know, just just really impressive overall. So, um, you know, want to give a tip of the hat to Coach Painter. Uh, you know, obviously playing in the Big Ten, had a chance to go up against him a lot of times, and you know, see their game plan, their scheme. Um, you know, and he's doing this with a freshman backcourt. So, really impressive just to see that. Yeah, we are definitely going to pick your brain on that here in just a little bit about why it's so difficult to play against uh, that Purdue team, the Purdue program, that Purdue team, what makes them so effective. My cheers is going to go out to a team up in uh, up in Albany, New York. I'm toasting to the Siena Saints. They finished uh, third place in the was that the ESPN events, whatever. Yeah. The, I've never never heard of it. Never heard. Never seen that event before. Our man Randolph Childress was on the call there. They picked up two high major wins. and They knocked off Seton Hall today. So cheers, Sienna. Cheers, Coach Carm. Uh, like those guys. That was a good team um, and a couple of impressive wins for them. You've never heard of that tournament? Down, yeah, the, down in the milk house? Else? Like, it was like the Orlando something or other, right? Yeah, the Disney something. I, I don't yeah. know. So now it's the, the ESPN. I can't keep track of all that stuff, man. It's just tell me what channel it's on, and I'm going to watch it and figure out who's playing later. Um, all right, Purdue. They are – I saw a stat. They were the first team to knock off two top ten teams in back-to-back games by more than 18 points since the 1968 – UCLA Bruins when they had, I believe, Lou Alcindor was the star of that team, a young man by the name of that, that ended up changing his name, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So does that mean, Gio, Zach Eady, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Same thing, right? Shut it down. I don't, I don't want to say all that. <laughs> I don't want to go that far, but he's, he's been he's been real dominant, man. I don't want to compare him to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at all, though. T.O., what do you make of this Purdue team? Uh, they, they, they're put together really well, and you have an absolute – horse in the middle and Zach Eady, who not only is seven, four, seven, five, whatever he is guys, but he embraces physicality and he's not a skinny seven, five, like this dude is strong. He's got an enormous, uh, he's got enormous legs. He's able to hold position. Some of those guys, sometimes you can get up underneath them and root them out. Not this dude. Uh, you can see his hockey background coming through and he's really coordinated for seven, four, seven, five. Like, is he going to be an NBA guy? Probably not because they're just going to put him out on an Island. It's going to be really tough for him. But at this level, at the college level in the year of the big, like the almanac says, like he's a perfect fit and painters put a lot of shooting and unselfish pieces around him to really facilitate what he's good at. So, and he, he had a great quote after the, after the game. Uh, I, I need to be a steadying force for a lot of these younger players. And he has certainly been that if you're averaging over 20 and 10 over the course of this, over every game this season, I mean, it's, he, he's impressive. And paint knows uh, Bill self. I like to say is the most creative guy at getting po- creative post touches uh, painters right there. And not that you have I, to get all that damn creative, but, but he's right there. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. I don't know if he's necessarily creative and geo, you could probably speak better on this than I can. I don't know if it's as much creative as he's just, they're so good at drilling what they do, and everybody on that team knows exactly what's expected of them and exactly the role that they are supposed to be playing. And they're all bought into this idea of, yeah, we got this seven foot four mountain of a man at the five that literally nobody can stop. It, it was 
I was laughing watching Derek Lively and Kyle Filipowski try to guard him. Like those are those are large human beings, Derek Lively and Kyle Filipowski, and they're sitting there leaning on Zach Eady. They're sitting there pushing him with with every ounce of strength that they have, and it's just it's nothing. It's like my son trying to push me. Right. That's kind of what it looked like. So, Gio, break this team down for me. Talk to me about what they do, about why they're so effective, about why you can lose players as good as Jaden Ivey and Trevion Williams. And not like, let's be honest, not miss a beat. I mean, it, it goes again, it goes back to Coach Painter, right? The system that he's built, right? You know, the players that he brings in, he brings in culture guys every time. These aren't five star guys, right? Dudes that are looking for NIL money. Coach Painter has made it very clear exactly what he wants in a program. And, and it's really pick your poison. Like, you have Edie down low. And then obviously if you double, he's, you know, developed that part of his game where I think he had three assists today, zero turnovers. Uh, he's able to make the passes as well, where now it's, it's literally pick your poison. If you're going to gonna get beat by the three, you're going to get beat by Edie. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of how Purdue has always been constructed. They've always ran so many plays off the ball where they're getting their shooters open. And then that second option is always just look down low to the post. And I think they've done a great job of that this year. Um, just being so balanced and you can see every guy like, there's no egos on that team at all. Like everyone is starring in their role. If you look at Caleb first, he had a double double today, right? But all of his points are really coming off of offensive rebounds, hustle plays, right? 50, 50 balls, Ethan Morton, not someone who's really getting any baskets, but he was super important piece of that win today. And what he was doing, like, same thing, 50, 50 balls, rebounds, assists. Um, you know, every guy is just kind of, uh, they're just starring in their role, right? They're, you know, they're, they're doing all the little things and, and everyone's bought in. And I, I think that's really hard to do, especially this early in the year. Mm-hmm. So what you beat them, I believe, three times in your career when you were at Rutgers, right? Yeah, a good couple of times. Three times, maybe. I think that might be in the low yeah. end. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I'm pretty – it's at least three. I don't know. I can't remember how long. You might have been there. You might have been like a six-year senior by the time. Talk, talk, your, talk your shit, Gio. Oh, talk man. Talk no, let them know, Gio. Gio. Oh, yeah, they don't, they don't like me over at Mackey, man. They don't like me over at Mackey. But, yeah, I played against them a, a good amount of times for sure. So talk to me about how how you slow that offense down, right? I, I think we kind of came into this this game thinking like Duke is a pretty good defensive team. They have some pieces that work. They have some switchable guys. They they they've kind of prided themselves, and, and Shire has made it very clear that they want that to be their identity. And it yeah. just, I mean, they they kind of figured stuff out in the second half, but in the first half, man, like whatever Purdue wanted to get, Purdue got. So how do you how do you slow them down? How do you beat them? How do you stop that offense? I think well, I think it goes back honestly to what T.O. said about Zach Eady being an NBA player, right? Like you need to get him tired. You need to get him in ball screen situations every single play. If you look at our games against them, you know, they would come down, run a bunch of intricate plays. We would come right back and it was all ball screen action. We didn't get anything off it or swinging it. And again, ball screen action, trying to get him moving, getting him tired. He played, I think, 32 minutes today, right? You need to be, you need to have Eady working at all times on a defensive end. So that way when it gets down to offense, you know, you can, he's a, he's a little bit more tired where, you know, he's not getting all these easy buckets, Um, you know, but also I think the other thing is I, I wouldn't double the post, right? I, I don't, I don't think he's at the point now where he can easily kick it out and, and guys are getting open threes Uh, going back to picking your poison. Like, I think I would rather see them just play ED one-on-one, see what you get from there, but you need to get him moving on that defensive end. You need to get him tired up and down. It's a big dude, right? So I'm putting him in Boston situations the whole time. He's not getting up to hedge. He's not getting up uh, to trap, right? He's going to be in a deep drop every single play. Yeah, T.O., I think what I saw in this game, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, um, they they tried to put him in ball screen actions, and they just played him in drop, and the Duke couldn't do anything because there wasn't enough spacing yeah. with the the lack of shooting that they had on on the perimeter there. Um, I mean, T.O., you've you watched them. What, 
what 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 is your what do you think the ceiling for this Purdue team? Because I'm kind of torn. I know I know how your your opinions on the Big Ten, and we don't kind of really need to rehash. I'm not. Hey, I, 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 I got to hear these opinions. On that. I got to hear these opinions. No, I well, need, so I, the, the 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 short version is that the Big Ten is such a veteran league that they're kind of pretty close to finished products now, and there's going to be other teams that catch up to them by the end of the year. Um, but what is what do you think this Purdue's team ceiling is? Because I'm looking at it right now. Ken Palm is updated. They are sixth nationally in Kempom, which is about where they were last year, which is about where they were in the Carson Edwards year, which is about where they were when they had Isaac Haas anchoring everything in 2018. Like it's just, it's just constant with Matt Painter and this team. What, what, what is, what is their ceiling? It, it's, it's still hard to say. And for, for what it's worth, for what it's worth, I'm still on, I, I still feel strongly that the big 10 is closer to a finished product than everybody else, but I got to give credit where credit's due. Purdue's been terrific. And so is the rest of the big 10. So let me just put that out there. My opinion is still my opinion, but I just got to make sure that like you, you have to give credit where credit's due. Paint's done a great job early. The difference with this year's team is I think this Purdue team can continue to get better because some of those guards are younger. Young. I, I, I think that's a big portion of this. Like they're still learning to play. And I, they lost Travion Williams, but but here here's the flip side of that, in my opinion. You get more consistency with one guy. Like you had to change some things up whenever Travion was in the game. You had to change. You ran different stuff whenever Edie was in the game. Now you can be a little bit more consistent, and Edie can get more comfortable. Uh, I, if those guards continue to get better and they shoot the ball well in the tournament, it doesn't make any sense why they wouldn't uh, be an elite eight team. That's a big thing for me. But they're going to have to shoot it well. And if they run into a team, for example, I don't know, because they played well last year, like a Miami who has Isaiah Wong, who can come off those ball screens and attack a guy who's playing drop coverage and score, that's where Purdue's going to have problems, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's all matchup-based with Purdue because of that size. But at the same time, like this is a team that's going to continue to get better. Yeah, I, I also do think that the the what, the freshman, um, Kaufman, I'm blanking on his name, and um, Caleb first, I do think are big enough to be able to allow them to have kind of different looks, right? Remember last year when they would play Trevion at the five and they would kind of get a little bit more switchable. I think that they are going to be able to do that this year. All right. I know it's probably way too early to have this conversation, but Dagan Hughes, our producer, put it on the rundown. So we are going to have this conversation. Zach Eady, right now, is he the front runner for national player of the year? T.O., I'm giving, giving you this one first. I think at this point he has to be just from a, being dominant from from a dominance perspective over every game he's been MVP according to Kim Palm of every game he's played this season and he's averaging over what 20 and 12 I don't have the numbers right in front of me but as mm -hmm. far as the pieces around him they all work because of what he does so he's expediting the process of some of those guards that are younger because he's been so dominant so at this point I mean who else would you put in that category Right now, I think, I, I think he's the front runner at this point. Yeah, I think you need to have put Jalen Wilson in that conversation. Um, I think eventually we're going to have Marcus Sasser in that conversation as well. But a lot of it depends on who ends up being you got to put up really good numbers on a really good team, Gio. And, yep. and I think that, I mean, it, it's got to be Edie, leader in the club. It's hard not to put him at the front runner right now. I mean, and going to who they beat too, right? Like you just, mm -hmm. They just beat Duke, they just beat Gonzaga, they just beat West Virginia. It's not like they've been playing against some cupcakes, right? So he's been dominating against the best of the best as well. Like, I, I don't really have too much to add to what T.O. just said. I mean, there's not really – I don't think there's much evidence to go against him being the front runner right now. All right. So I have a hot take for you guys. Um, I want you to tell me if you think I'm an idiot 
which is very possible. But after watching that game, I actually feel better about Duke long-term than I did coming into this game. And, and this is why, T.O. Tyrese Proctor, 16 points, three assists, zero turnovers. Jeremy Roach, 14 points, two assists, two turnovers. I thought that those two were really good, especially Proctor. Like, he's been the guy that we are waiting to see him get going. Part of the reason why Proctor is not, like, lighting it up right now is because he's – I want to say he's shooting, like, 13% from three. He's basically Andre Corbello from three right now, which is something that you never want to be. Um, but seeing those just two – Just the Corbello slander, it never stops. On the field <laughs> it's never, never going to stop. Um, no, but, I mean, you have those two guards – and I expect Proctor to, to eventually make shots, right? I think enough people that have seen him play that know what they're talking about to say he's a good enough shooter. I think Lively is going to get better. Like, there's no way he, this is what he is, right? Same mm-hmm. thing with Derek Whitehead. There's no way this is just what he is. Filipowski's been awesome. Mark Mitchell's been really effective uh, at certain times. I just, I think that what they were missing was that kind of secondary score and somebody on the wing that can make shots. And I think that's going to come. I think their freshmen are going to get better. And it just, I don't know. Am I, am I crazy? Is that a hot take? It could be a hot take. What's what's the take? Just what, that I feel better about Duke now than I did before they lost by 19 points. I don't know. It's a hot take. I mean, we all kind of knew what was going to happen because mm-hmm. they're so young. And, and keep in mind, like, I'm not going to say Zach Eady made them look like 14 year olds, but from a body perspective, it was close. Like mm-hmm. Derek Lively is not a small human, but right. he looked really small beside Eady, and Eady knows how to use his weight. So, it, like, they're still learning how to compete. The one thing I will say. I liked what John Shire did mixing up defenses at certain points of the game to kind of infuse some energy. That was something that was sorely missing last year at points to where like you could flip a game on its head by changing something up. Kay didn't like to do that as much. He liked guys to ride it out. John's trying to tinker with some things right now. I I like them going forward. Filipowski, man, like he's a stud and he brings a lot of different elements to the table for that team. The better Proctor plays, the better they're going to be. But I, I like the fact that they're playing more bodies. I think some of those veteran pieces that they added are fine. I, I think eventually what's going to have to happen is Ryan Young's just going to have to come off the bench and you're just going to have to put your dudes out there. But that mm-hmm. has to happen after uh, everybody gets healthy. But that four or five of Filipowski and uh, of Filipowski and uh, Lively, mm-hmm. like that is a multidimensional inside out couple of seven footers that I think in my opinion can play together. We still haven't seen the best of lively and I don't even think he hasn't made a shot. That's not a dunk yet this season. I know. And it's, he's going to make shots and he's going to make shots. So like, it's, it's just taken him a while to get going. Yeah. Any thoughts on Duke? Who who do you think is their go-to guy? That's one question. Like, like, is it, is it Roach? I think it's going to eventually be Proctor. Like if he continues to develop and continues to get better, I think it's going to be, he was so good today. I think it's going to be Whitehead. I think it's going to be white. Think so. Yeah, I think eventually it's going to be Whitehead. Filipowski's kind of filled that role right now. Whitehead has the the physical ability from an athleticism standpoint to be able to get one when he's healthy. He just hasn't been healthy. It's Once Duke gets going and they're clicking in the right direction, he figures out his rotations. I think Whitehead could be that guy, but I think for everybody to fit together, I think to go along with what you say, Gio, like Roach has to be a, a huge piece of that. So it sounds like, it sounds like you guys just both think that you know, these guys are going to get better. They, they're not, at, they're not a finished product right now. These freshmen are going to step up. But what I like, what I took away from the game was their wings need to step up big time. And they just don't have scoring right now. But like, 
I don't think it's a super hot take because I, I, you know, obviously they are freshmen, they are young, they're getting comfortable. It is a new coach situation. You know, there's a lot of different things going on. Um, you know, I do think that these guys are going to learn quickly and they're going to grow up fast. Yep. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to another game. Let's talk about Xavier and Gonzaga real quick. I just want to let you know, field of 68 dot shop. Uh, it's our merch store. We got, we got a bunch of new designs in there uh, for the new, uh, for the new year, for the new season. And if you use the code cyber C Y B E R starting on cyber Monday, you get 20% off field of 68 dot shop link is in the description below. Um, all right. Xavier and Gonzaga thing that stood out to me the most um, Xavier came all the way back. They were down pretty big in the first half. They came all the way back. Jack Nunji looked like the guy we thought he was going to end up being, but it was Gonzaga that kind of made that finishing run, right? They kind of threw that finishing punch, that knockout blow. And it was Julian Strother that made two big threes down the stretch. Here's the numbers that stand out to me. Strother, Nolan Hickman, Rajir Bolton combined for 50 points, 14 assists, just three turnovers, 10 for 17 from three and 17 for 35 from the floor. Geo, I think that having those guards be a threat is what's going to take Gonzaga from being the Drew Timmy team to being a team that we can honestly consider like a top five team in America again this year. Yeah. I mean, that's what separates them from being a great team and a good team. And those guys just need to stay consistent. Like Strother obviously had, you know, those two threes down the stretch, but you look back to the game before you only have four points. So, you know, that that's just that consistency factor. If he's going to be able to continue to do that, I think that they haven't really had uh, that playmaking that they've had in the past. And it's also really easy to critique Gonzaga because of what they've been in the past. Like right now, they are still a very good team, right? The two losses they have are to Texas and to Purdue, two fantastic teams at this point in the season. Um, you know, so I think it's really easy to critique them. They're a good team, but right now they're not a great team just because those guards haven't been consistent throughout. Mm-hmm. T.O.? Those guards, uh, they're feeling, they're feeling in. Whenever we were at, in Austin, like the guards were noticeable. Like it was a, a big time difference between Texas's guards and Gonzaga's yep. guards, at least for that game. When those guys are knocking down shots, we had 13 of 24 today. That completely changes what they're able to do offensively, right? And it gives Timmy all kinds of room to operate in the post and him to be for Drew Timmy to do Timmy things. So I, I obviously, I mean, I, Nolan Hickman's got to be good for them to be good. And he was good today, 14, six and five. I'd take that any day of the week. And it's just a matter of finding places to be effective. I thought he dribbled the air out of the ball a little bit too much early in the Texas game. And they had a hard time establishing rhythm. Ball was popping a little bit more today and they were much better as a result. Yeah. I think you can also say to both of you guys, tell me if this is fair, uh, the defensive pressure that they faced going up against Texas and Chris Beard in that building versus what they faced against Xavier in basically an empty PK. What was it? The PK invitational. I don't I can't keep those two straight. Um, it, it was a very different environment that they were in. you got a Chris Beard defense where those guys are getting up in you with 10,763 crazy Texas fans screaming at you, music blaring all over the place. And then the other one is basically a pickup game played in the empty arena with family and friends watching. It feels like a high school tournament in those gyms, Geo. Oh, no, yeah, the atmosphere definitely matters. And, and you could, and, you know, I remember watching that game against Texas and, like, you could hear it through the TV, just how loud it was in there. And that's, you know, that's just not something easy to overcome. So, I mean, the, you know, the atmosphere obviously matters a ton. And, you know, where they're playing today, obviously, is not, not uh, you know, not the same as going on the road against a Texas team. It was like when you played in the Kingwood Classic in Texas and you got the big gym. You know what I'm talking about, Gio? Like you, you play in that big AAU tournament, and there's this one big gym where everybody wants to play it, but there's nobody yeah. in there anyway. Right? Yeah, like that's yeah, that's yeah, kind of what it seems like. That's the reason I toasted to the smaller venues. I think it's awesome. Not the yeah. not the Vegas venue for the women's basketball. Did you guys see this? 
I, I just oh. I just saw this like like 30 minutes ago. That's- oh my gosh. They put it in the kitchen. Like, what are they doing? Like that that's awful, especially after what they were promised. I digress. The, no, the let's, 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 let's stay on that for a second. That is crazy. It's crazy. You, you've been, so you've been to Atlanta the last two years. That is played in the ballroom. Can you explain to people what the difference is between that setup for the, the Indiana number six team in the country yeah. women's basketball versus what the, the, like what they had versus what battle for Atlanta is. Cause there's a huge difference in that setup. Not, well, not the least of which is a fucking trainer on site. There was a girl in Auburn that got a head injury and it took 45 minutes for uh for emergency services to show up because they didn't have the 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 people on site that can't do that, that. shouldn't happen that shouldn't happen no battle for atlantis I, I told the people running it on the way out like it is a quality quality tournament they take great care of them there's never any needs now would there would i be happy if there was a little more food for the media yes i would however <laughs> uh no it, it's a quality venue there's bleachers in there it sets up for a nice environment and it, it, it's in a ballroom but it but it holds the noise in the ceilings high enough. But what they had there, <laughs> I mean, that was laughable. And here's the thing too, is there's a lot of these MTEs that are sometimes put up by AAU coaches. They're like, Hey, this needs to happen in order for you to, you know, whatever with a team that I'm coaching or something like he needs to hold up his or her, her end of the bargain. I'm not, I'm not completely sure, but that was ridiculous. That, that cannot happen, especially for a top 10 team in the country. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, that should be should be unacceptable. All right, back to Gonzaga. Um, Gio, we've seen them play one, two, three, four, five big time games already this season, right? We we probably know what they are more than just about any other team in college basketball at this point. So, what is Gonzaga? You mentioned they're still a really really good team. Maybe they're not quite as elite as they've been in the last two or three seasons. Is that fair to say? Yeah, so that's that's basically my assessment right now. I think you know it really just depends on the consistency of the guards, right? You know you know who Timmy is. Um, right. And he, you know, he has that, that reputation and, and, um, you know, as a winner, right. And, and these guys need to step up and be the consistent playmakers that, you know, I think that they can be, I think that Bolton is a very good player. Hickman is a very good player. Strother showed today what he can do in crunch time. So it's just a matter of fact that they can, you know, continue that consistently. Has anything changed your opinion on them? T.O.? No, in that they, they have a dominant, four five and timmy and the better the guards are the better they're going to be they have to they have to supply something from the guard spots and today they did is that going to be a consistent theme i think that's the biggest issue like geo said Mm -hmm. all right i do want to talk about xavier really quick here because they are a tough team for me to peg at this point right i watch them i look at them and when they play they look like a good basketball team right i think that when you watch them play they have Guards that can make some shots. They have two big guys that work well together. Jack Nungy, when he's going right, is really, really good. Uh, I trust in the coach they have running things there. It looks like they're running a little bit more of a modern offense. But if you look at the results they put up, right, lost by two to Indiana at home, lost by seven to Duke on a neutral, lost by four to Gonzaga on a neutral. They're not winning games yet, but they're competitive single-digit games with teams that are all currently ranked in the top 25 on Kempom and in the top 12 of the AP poll. So, Geo. What what what's your take on the Xavier team, right? I, I'm I'm kind of I'm in the in the weeds in the Big East, so I I watch them a lot. I watch them when they play shitty teams. What's your take on Xavier and just how good they can be? I mean, they definitely passed the eye test. I think you just said it best. Um, I I think that they have potential to be in that top three, top four of the Big East. Um, you know, they're right there for sure. Um, 
you know, but in terms of results, right, like it, it comes down to the little things. Like I think they need to, you know, have have a deep film session, right? Go over the little things. Like every possession matters. And, and it comes down to, you know, are you taking care of the ball? Is there a free throw line box out, right? 50-50 balls. And, you know, those are the things that are going to lead to the Ws. But in terms of the eye test, right, they definitely pass with flying colors. Mm-hmm. Teal? I don't see why they're not a top four team in the Big East, especially the way Villanova's playing. And I don't see Villanova's problems getting any better anytime soon. Uh, here, here's my thing. They've always had talent. It's almost a reverse of what's happened the past few seasons. The past few seasons, they've been great in the non-con in the first four games of the Big East. And then it just kind of falls off a cliff. This year, they're figuring their, their problems out now because they're playing a high level of competition. I think that's a good thing for Sean Miller. That being said, I read a few tweets from Xavier people or those who love Xavier and everybody's saying they're definitely a tournament team. Yeah, maybe, maybe I I'm not willing to say they're definitely a tournament team. My, my bounce back to that, or my rebuttal to that is you have to win some of these games. Like eventually the people making the selections on selection Sunday, they're looking at metrics. They're looking at wins losses. It is very cut and dry what they're looking at for the most part. It is not an eye test situation. You have to win some of these bigger games. Yeah, I, I think that's going to come, right? I think I do too. I do too. But, get, but like to say they, they're a tournament team right now would not be accurate. Like you have to, you have to win some of these big games. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Right now, if you do a field, like they don't have the the resume or whatever it would take. But right. um, I, I think that they're going to get there. I think the bigger question to have now, or the bigger conversation to have now, is like they have to be top three in the Big East because I don't think that there's really all that much outside of the top three in the Big East. Watching just just simply eye test stuff, I think it's very clear. UConn and Creighton, whoever you want to set the set them apart, I think that they're probably the two best teams in the conference, right? Then Xavier, to me, is the next in that next tier, and then I don't even know where you go from there. I think you I, go Providence and St. John's after that, yeah. and then you're flirting with Marquette in that second tier. And I don't think Marquette's a tournament team, at least not yet. They they stay within five of Purdue, which, you know, that might make them be a top 25 team in college basketball this year. But mm-hmm. I, it just once you get past that top three, it's kind of uh, it's slim pickings for the Big East this season. Big East was good last year. Uh, it's there's there's a lot of change in the Big East this year. And you saw a lot of change in some other leagues last season as well. And you're seeing kind of the the repercussions of roster turnover and the repercussions like Providence, for example, last season, they brought back a bunch of guys from the year prior. So it was like their second year altogether. This season, completely new guys. St. John's are at Curbelo to the mix, completely different situation. Marquette, you're looking at different guys coming in. Uh, The roster consistency for those top three teams they're all in their second year together, right? Or the majority or the vast majority of their roster is. So I think that's a big part of it, uh, especially looking now uh, that we're in the non-con and the success of those top three teams. Gio? I mean, yeah, it doesn't look pretty down, you know, down the bottom of the Big East right now. Um, You know, obviously Villanova, tough loss today. Uh, Scene Hall, tough loss today. Um, You know, it's – it, it's, it's be not careful. Cool. Be careful with Seton Hall because Dago will just boot you out of nowhere. So you gotta be, care, you gotta be careful with Seton Hall. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Look, I'm not even trying to because I don't even. I'm already being careful because they're gonna find me on Twitter already. They've already found me on Twitter, so I don't want to say too much. But um, you know, I'll wait. Speak. What did you said? Hey, something Gio, on the Big Ten show. What did you say on the Big Ten show? What did you say on the Big Ten preview show that got you lit up? 
Uh, oh, I said nobody's scared of Indiana. That yeah. guy. That <laughs> Everyone starts talking about their record versus Rutgers. Who is Rutgers? They don't belong in the Big Ten. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm oh, going to be man. careful with my You work. just got to be right. You just got to be right. Yeah, whatever exactly. you bring up when you were right, crickets. Yeah. Crickets. <laughs> Ask everybody in the state of Iowa. Crickets. Yeah. I, haven't had, I haven't heard a word. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, but I, I, you know, I, I basically agree with with your guys' assessment. I think that um, you know the Big East just isn't looking too great right now. They do still have some opportunities up uh, upcoming, though. Keep in mind, there's only ten teams in the or what 10, 11 teams in the Big 11 East. Eleven teams. Eleven teams. Like, there's just not that many teams. Georgetown, yeah. brutal. DePaul, eh. like, there's two right there. After right. that, you're just kind of trying to figure figure things out. Yep. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I can't really say I'm the tilting, bottom of I'm tilting right now because UConn is playing and they just a couple dumb plays in a row. Um, I don't, I don't, you guys hang with us, Rob. Hang with us, Rob. I'm, I'm right. in. I'm locked in. I'm locked in right now. I want to ask you guys. We'll, we'll spend about two minutes on this because we spent a long time on Friday talking about it. But is there? Do you have any any takes on what's going on right now with Villanova? They're two and five. Uh, it has not been a great start to the Kyle Neptune era. Um, I think a lot of that can kind of be put on the fact that he doesn't have the the an All American point guard at his disposal, and he's missing his two best players. Um, but do you guys like? What's your Gio, what's your opinion on Villanova right now? And, and you know, two a two and five start at Villanova is is something that I don't think we've ever seen. I mean, I just I don't see like a, an easy path for it to get better for them. Um, you know, right now they don't have a point guard, they don't have size. They were switching everything against Oregon, and, and you know, it's just leading to these post up opportunities. Um, you know, it's a depleted roster, and you've mentioned they're missing their best two guys, but. Thinking even about those two guys coming in, one's coming off an Achilles injury and Justin Moore, and the other one's a freshman, right? So you, how much can you really expect from those two guys, you know, when they do come back, if they do come back? Um, you know, so I think I think there's just a lot of holes right now that they're big holes, right? I don't see I don't see them getting fixed overnight. Uh, I don't I don't see a lot of positives uh, moving forward for Villanova right now. T.O.? Here's my thing. This team made the final four last year, boys. They still have, even with injuries, Eric Dixon, who was a starter on a final four team. Mm. They still have Brandon Slater, starter on a final four. Caleb Daniels, starter on a final four team. That should be enough to beat an Oregon team that only had six scholarship players available. They played a walk on 25 minutes. Oregon. Bingo. You, that they, you should win that game. I And Mark, Mark, 
uh, Armstrong uh, is a freshman point guard who's a top 30 player in the country. You should win that game. You should find a way to win that game. That's scary. That's the most alarming thing to me because yeah. there's still I understand their injury depleted. I understand uh, Gillespie was one of the greatest point guards in the history of that school. And what he did was invaluable. And I realize there's role players around him and they are still geared to be role players. Caleb Daniels is a really good player. Like yeah. Eric Dixon is a terrific defender. Brandon Slater does a lot of really good, really good things. You got to figure out ways. Like even when you're hurt, even when there's guys missing, Oregon had guys missing, Oregon won. Mm -hmm. Like they found a way to win. Villanova's two and five. They haven't found ways to win. And it, there's, there's excuses for play, people all over the place right now. There's excuses at Louisville. Louisville's 0-7. There's excuses at Cal. <laughs> Cal's 0-7. Like, you got to find ways to win. Oregon found a way to win. Villanova hasn't been able to do that yet. That That's the most alarming part to me. Yeah, you, the excuses you, you at that, Cal are we just don't have good enough players. Sorry, Jay. The excuses at Cal are we don't have good enough players to win games. That, not, and and, and my, my point is I think Villanova <laughs> still has good enough players to win games. Yes, yes, I agree. Gio, what, go ahead. Sorry. What, do guys, what do you guys think it is though? Like, is it, it was the coaching change, you know, that, that big of a blow or, or what do you, I, what do you I think so. So here's, here, here's my take is I think Jay Wright is one of the absolute best teachers of basketball that we've ever seen at this level. They don't, they don't run plays, right? He, he drilled them on their concepts. He drilled them on um, what they, what he expected uh, to be like, just to be able to go out there and just run their stuff. Like, it's not even running this stuff. Just go out there and play. Right. Um, it's either like a ball screen and you get a drive and you draw a defender and a kick, or you get a post up with a point guard, you draw an extra defender, you kick it out, create a closeout. Same thing again. Like that's they, they, there's a certain way that they want to play, which is why you see so many Villanova guys end up having success as role players in the NBA. Right. That's why it takes a couple of years for, uh, for guys to end up being stars and why you don't necessarily see freshmen come in and, and uh, have kind of the same impact that they do at other programs. Right. Um, and I just, I don't think that it's fair to expect Kyle Neptune in his first season at Villanova and his second season as a head coach to step in and be that level of teacher, right? At least not right, not right off the bat. So I don't know if they need to play a different way. I don't know if they need to let Kyle just kind of let this program be his own thing. Um, but it's just, if he's going to try to do what Jay Wright does, he's never going to be able to do what Jay Wright did at the level that Jay Wright did it. Cause Jay Wright was the best, uh, I don't think it's wild to say was one of the best ever at doing it. So um, I think it'll take a little bit of time. Uh, I think some of it might be getting his own players in the program. I don't, I think it's far too early to uh, say anything beyond the fact that like it's a new head coach replacing a legend that doesn't have his two best players or a point guard. But to me, that's why they're struggling is that you lost one of the greatest teachers of a game in a program that relies on the coach teaching the way that he wants to play. Does that make sense? Definitely makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So, number one lost. Second time in three days, North Carolina went down as the number one team in the country. This one was a four overtime. Uh, I don't we can't call it a thriller, a four overtime snooze fest uh, to Alabama. It was it was it was <laughs> a very it was a very difficult game to watch. A lot of uh a lot of heat checks, a lot of bad decisions. Caleb Love got 35 shots off. I think Javon Quinterly got Respect. 27 shots off. Respect. Um, I know you love that, T.O., uh, but what do you – how how worried do we need to be about North Carolina at this point in the season? I think people don't realize – we said this before, before the season, Rob, like people don't didn't realize how good Brady Manick was. 
like floor spacing, dude, take it easy. UConn's going to be fine. Floor spacing is at a premium. Pete Nance is still figuring out how to do that. Yeah, I think he's done a fine job. I really do. But to be honest with you guys, their problems this year are the same they were last year at this point. Clock management at the end of the game. Uh, who's going to get that shot for you towards the end of the game? How are you going to get that shot towards the end of the game? Carolina got really hot last six games of the season. Really, really hot. Ran into a buzzsaw against Kansas. What's what's changed this year? Not from last year in February. I, I, I don't know. The only thing that's changed is Hubert's trying to play a couple of more pieces. Problem is, is those guards are going to average 38 and a half minutes a game, and that's tough, especially when you're jacking up 38 shots a game or whatever whatever <laughs> Caleb Love's doing. Um, it, it's Is Baycott being featured enough? I don't know. I would, I would venture to say no. He needs to be a bigger part. Uh, to be honest with you, there's not a whole lot of movement before their ball screens. Like, I remember playing against Carolina teams. That Carolina break was a beast to go up against. Now they're just walking it up the court, especially at the end of the game. There's no ball movement. It's screened and hope Caleb Love hits a tough one. It was tough to watch. My brother's in town from Norway, and he doesn't watch a ton of college basketball. He goes, holy shit, can they both lose? Like, it was <laughs> – <laughs> like, it was just like – it was a brutal game to watch. Yeah, man, I was, I was, I was like, obviously this is my first time on the show, guys. So I'm watching these games in detail, trying to take some notes, and I didn't even know what the hell to write down. Like basically, it was just, it was, just, <laughs> like, it was, it wasn't a lot for me to to really take from it, other than the fact, you know, they, there wasn't much execution going on. Um, you know, you guys just said it. Uh, basically, call for a screen, see what type of shot Caleb Love can get up. I think him and R.J. Davis took sixty shots, fifty three points on sixty shots. So you know, definitely not getting the bigs involved. And listen, I played against Pete Nance for for four years when he was at Northwestern. Um, I don't know if the four is his role. Like I, you know, it's it's he's a he's a crazy mismatch at the five because he's quicker than the fives. He can shoot it. He can stretch the floor. Um, and they obviously had him playing the five a little bit at the end of that game. Um, but it doesn't seem like he's fitting perfectly in their system as a four man. And I don't know if you guys see that too. Yeah. I, so I think the issue is it's not on the play Armando. Man. That's yeah, that's the issue. Like you, yeah, you have well, to play Mondo. He's a twenty twenty guy. Like yeah. that. Like you're right, Gio. You're right. Like he, he fits better against opposing fives because he's big. He can put it on the floor a little bit. He pulls guys out. Like that's his natural position. But he, he's gonna have to change. Mondo's not changing because Mondo's right. not capable of changing. Yeah, right? and I think you you need him out there too because one of the issues down the stretch of that game was there was no space. Like you could throw the ball into Mondo if you wanted to, there was no space down there. Cause you had, it was basically, you had two guards up top, right? Armando setting a high ball screen. You had leaky black in one corner. You had Puff Johnson in the other corner and Alabama just did not even pay any attention to them. Dude, Puff None Johnson is just those, a body they, out there. They just yeah. stood on the block. The, the, just their defenders just, yeah. They just stood on the block. And it's, if you want to throw the ball into the post to Armando there, like he's going to be immediately double teamed. And he's got a seven-footer, Charles Bediaco, who's a monster on him. Bediaco finished like 14, 16, three blocks, two steals. That right? was so, that was my biggest takeaway from the game, mm-hmm. was that dude has developed into a stud. Mm-hmm. Rim protection, long. He's growing into his body. Like, he's defending his butt off. That dude's really good. And he's the inside presence that Alabama hadn't had in a few years. Sorry. Yeah, I, no, no I, I, I totally agree. And so my – I thought that the issue was not having Pete Nance on the floor at the four spot because it, you you couldn't you couldn't do anything. That's why I wish I could get a, a screenshot of it. But there were a couple where they would go with like that overhead camera 
and it came right from the back. Like you got a shot directly from the back, and RJ Davis came off a ball screen, and he's looking right at Charles Bediaco in drop coverage. The help guy from the corner standing right there on the block in front of him. He can't hit Armando for a roll or a lob because the the weak side guy is in the block. There were five depend defenders like in the paint in front of him, and like he has nowhere to go. What are you going to do? You get, there's nothing you can do coming off of that screen. So. Um, I think that's the biggest issue with North Carolina right now. Biggest I, issue is Caleb Love played an hour. Well, no, honestly, no, honestly, <laughs> you said 58 like, minutes. The, their biggest issue is him and or well, my math isn't great. We've established as much, but they were 21 of 60 yeah. of 60. RJ and Caleb Love. Somebody else got to help, man. Yes, and so here's the <laughs> and, and and North Carolina when they made their run, they Good made their God. run because it was just kind of like we're gonna let these two dudes rock out. And they went nuts for like a month straight at the end of the year. They okay. did it in Cameron Indoor Stadium. They did it in the ACC tournament. They did it in the NCAA tournament. Um, we saw them. They were down, what, like 15 in the first half of that Final Four game. And then Caleb Love had 27 in the second half. Like, that is what North Carolina is. They It's just kind of, we're going to let these two guys go get whatever they can get. And when they're making shots, we're going to be really good. They're guys that can make tough shots. And if they miss it, hopefully Armando can get an offensive rebound. Every once in a while, we're going to run Brady Manick off a screen. He's going to make a three. And they're doing but, the exact same shit right now. But they need the, to figure out like what to do at the end of the clock. Like you got to do something creative. Like like do something. Get some movement. Like <laughs> anything. The, the best. The best one. It was the end of the first overtime. There were thirty one seconds left on the clock. Thirty seconds left on the shot clock. And they just had Caleb Love dribble with his left hand for twenty five seconds. And he went one on one and got a like. I think he bricked a step back three or so. It's just like what are we doing? I love it. That's Yo, what, that's I want to ask you this question, man. okay? That was your strength, right? Like going one on one. So when when coach was like, "We're gonna run a whole bunch of stuff," were you like, "Nah, just give me the ball, let me go"? Uh, it was coach. Listen, I was doing whatever coach said. So he would he would say literally what you guys just said about Caleb Love. It was that I was gonna dribble it out, and then we were gonna do a little. We did. We made it a little bit more creative. We had we had a fake uh, fake horn set where both bigs would come up, and basically they would act like they were gonna set the screen, and then they would just go, and it was just ISO. So then, mm-hmm. that, that was really it. So that was just to get the, that was just to get the guy who was guarding you get his head turning a little bit. Exactly, just get just get the head turning just a little bit. There's none that. of that for Carolina. Yeah, no. They, so they're yeah, they're none they're, of it. They're even freestyling even more than we did, which is crazy. All right, I, I do want to make too, like last year the last. I, I know those guys were rocking out the last six or seven games for Carolina. Let's keep in mind too, like RJ was bringing that thing with pace. Mm-hmm. in the NCAA tournament. Like, he, he was bringing it with pace down the side. They'd set a step-up ball screen for him to get down the side. And then they'd start this little chain of reaction to where he would get in the middle, pitch out. Guy would close out, one dribble, kick ahead. Like, there would be movement to get into those actions. It, it, we're back to Carolina Pitt of last season in February right now. Like, these guys are not moving. And the rest of those guys are not moving. And if Puff, if is Puff Johnson your answer? I don't think Puff Johnson is your answer. And they're not guarding either. Like I, that's well, that's they've never guarded really. But like, yeah, that's it. There's just it's a little too stagnant for my liking. Like I played against a Carolina team with, with with Ty Lawson and Wayne Ellington and Danny. Like that ball popped. Like Carolina basketball, the ball moves. You're unselfish. You play extremely fast. That's what made them hard to guard. Not Caleb Love going one on one, dribbling the ball for twenty seconds and pulling Geo. You know what I'm how saying? many of those Maybe. dudes do you think remember you, To you huh? you out of a lineup? If you walked in and you saw Ty Lawson, would he remember you? No, no shot in hell. You know why I know that? Because at the Final Four, <laughs> Tyler Hansborough, who I played against several times, Geo had no idea who I was. <laughs> like, dude, I gave him twenty and a half. 
no recollection whatsoever. I, my feelings weren't hurt at all. That's not bad. Had a single tear. I remind you. <laughs> but where, 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 where you guys have a, a UNC compared to the rest of the ACC right now? I, think, I tell you what, I'll bring that up right now. I love that. I love that that question. And I'm going to yeah. do. Uh, let me pull up the ACC. So I I think Virginia is clearly the best team in the ACC, right? Right now, agree? yes. Right now, correct. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, y'all, you you go to, you you on that bandwagon, Geo? Yeah, I'm there. I'm there. And then I think Duke and Carolina are the next two, and like you can kind of tier them however you want to tier them. I think that right now Carolina is probably a little bit better. I think that the ceiling for Duke long term is probably a little bit higher. I think no matter what happens when North Carolina plays their best, their best is always going to be a little bit better than Duke's best. Is that that's kind of where I stand with those two? All right, you guys ready? I think you put Virginia Tech ahead of North Carolina right now. Oh boy, I don't know. I don't Tell know. us why. Tell us why. Talk to dudes. Us. Like it, people don't realize Virginia Tech's dudes are dudes until you watch them. And you're just like, who the hell is this kid? Like Sean Padula is really good. And, and Mike Young is going to put those dudes in the right spot. If they played today, Virginia Tech would win. If they played today, I don't like, I, I don't know what the schedule looks like moving forward, but my, I'm telling you, man, the, the, Virginia Tech's a tough cover. They've got a lot of shooting and they know what they are. That, like, that's, that's exactly what it is. They, they know exactly they, what they are. Mike, Mike Young can coach his ass off. Dude, he's getting, he's getting guys shots like crazy. Like, look at look at the guys he's had throughout his not only Virginia Tech, but like Hunter Couture goes nuts after not scoring in the semifinals and then going to the ACC championship game and and dropping a thirty piece. Like, and he they know what they are and they're okay with what they are. Like, that's the biggest thing. They lost one to Charleston, which was basically an away game. Like right now, like I just feel like because they know what they are, I think if they play today, I I, I would pick Virginia Tech. Yeah, and it wasn't basically an away game. It was an away game. It was in yeah. Charleston's gym in front of a whole bunch of Charleston fans at the Charleston Classic. Like that wasn't basically an away. That was an away game. Geo, uh, are you are you are you going to let him come in here and say that Virginia Tech is better than North Carolina? Because I don't know if I can I can let today. I haven't I haven't seen enough of, of VT to to make a, a you know a real assessment. I'm looking at the the ACC right now though, and you know the bottom is just super weak, man. I I didn't even realize. Uh, <laughs> It is bad. We were talking about Big East. I give up. I give ACC, up. I've tried. ACC's not looking too hot right now either. <laughs> my, my favorite thing about the bottom of the ACC is that Florida State is one and seven, and they've lost to, let me bring it up, Stetson. I was on that UCF, game. Troy, Siena, and Nebraska, right? They've lost to those five teams. Their only win is against Mercer. And they are, without a doubt, not the worst team. In the ACC, because Louisville exists in the exact same <laughs> Dude, those two, man. Unbelievable. God, Louisville's so bad. Louisville doesn't even feel like being there, it looks like. Like, Sidney Curry, who's, like, one of those all-time tough guys for Louisville, who like, tough dude. He just, he just like, no, I'm good. Yeah. The ACC so they, hurts right now. I, I've been loyal to the ACC. Like, you guys got to throw me a bone here. You got to win some games. Yeah. Like, like those two bottom teams, I understand it. Like I get it. Like Georgia Tech's got two wins against two D twos. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's like guys. Like we gotta, you gotta win games. Like bottom hey, line, like you gotta yo, win games. Do you, Tio? Do you remember on the ACC preview show when you said BC was a uh, was a borderline tournament team, and then they turned that around? was RC. That was that was Randolph. And I was and like, you agreed with him. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they, got, they, got, they got opportunities coming up, though. They're young, though, man. Hey, Boston College is young. They're going to be better, but they're, they're just young. 
They're, they have they're four top 100 too. kids in their signing class. I'm making fun of them. They're, they're, they were dealing with some injuries too. It's just fun to make fun of BC. Uh, Wake Forest. Took I a forget bad the loss. Big East ties. The Big East ties. I forget. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. All of those teams that left the Big East, you think they regret it right now? I think Rutgers is the one that's kind of in the best shape, right? Well, Rutgers is chilling. We're good. Yeah. We're good over at Rutgers, man. Yeah. Look at, uh, look at, I mean, I guess Notre Dame maybe too, but a lot of those, uh, Pitt. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Pitt is. I, I They're mean, brutal too. Of, Let's not even talk about that. Why are we talking about the bottom of the ACC right now? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do want to real quick. To hey, you, I will say this. Hey, hey, I will say this. I went up when Clemson played uh, Rutgers. I did the that game on the radio. The rack is a situation. Oh, yeah. That place is cool. Like, you'll be doing shoot around. You'll have a bunch of cheerleaders and track stars just walk right through. Yeah. No big deal. Like it, it is wide open. You got everything in there, and then the fans are insane, and those speakers are really loud. Yeah. That, that, that's a, that's a cool spot to watch a game. East, hey, Piscataway. I'm a big Piscataway guy. Serious. Love, cool. love Piscataway. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, To. Hey, uh, I had know, the best break. I had the best breakfast of the year last year. Oh, on the road God, don't, in Piscataway. don't get him going on. Hey, we're talking go? about this damn breakfast sandwich for for. Where'd you go in Piscataway? I don't know. Somewhere where God made the biscuits. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> this place was amazing. My, uh, my grandparents thing I wanted because I cook and didn't speak English. Like it was great. Like I, I was like pointing at the menu. It was a fantastic joint. I'll That's, send it to those, you. those are the those are the best places to go to, right? Without when you question. just walk in and it just smells like uh, cooking butter, right? Yep. Yeah. Was was it a diner? Jersey's got the best diners. I can tell you that. Dude, it was on the corner of a red light. Like it was entirely <laughs> too close to the road. <laughs> but but it made that breakfast was banging. It was so good. Man. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, T.O., T.O., you got 90 seconds here. Talk to me about Alabama. What do you make of them? Are they good enough to compete in, in the SEC at the top of the SEC this season? And uh, talk your shit a little bit about Brandon Miller. Yeah, uh, Brandon Miller wasn't. It's hard to talk a whole lot of smack about Brandon Miller today. He went four for twenty-one, but man, is that that's what happens out. when you're being guarded by Leaky Black? That's true. Leaky Black's a dude on the defensive end. They didn't be more of an offensive guy, but uh, now Brandon Miller's really talented. He's going to be able to keep them in games. Uh, I, the emergence of Charles Bediaco is a game changer for them uh, because it, an, an absolute presence at the rim. Uh, he gives you somebody when you play Kentucky, some length, maybe not the physicality of an Oscar Sheedway, obviously, but he gives you length. He gives you rim protection. I think that changes the game, and he's really athletic. He could be a lob guy. Uh, we know what they have elsewhere. Noah Clowney is a, is, is a nice player. He took a hard fall today, but it, he's a pretty good player. They, they have pieces, and – you know, Mark Sears is really, really, really good. I, I thought he should have been featured more as opposed to Javon Quinterly today. But I, I think they're a really good Alabama team for the most part. I, I tend to agree, Gio. You got any uh, anything to add to that? 
No, not really. I mean, I, I fully agree too. I think they definitely got some pieces. I was kind of confused at the at the end of the game for them. It seemed like all the guys were deferring to to Quinterly too. Like it seemed like that was like their game plan was to get him in ISO situations. That and he, he just got hard. cleared like a week ago, and he played. Yeah, yeah, he, he played forty four minutes. He's been back for two weeks. Forty four yeah, minutes. That, that's insane. That's like, whatever they got going on over there with them trainers. That's crazy. I will say this: it is good to see him back. Oh, for sure. Man, for it sure. is. It is good to see him back. He's. Uh, I expected he, more out of Jaden Bradley. I mean, he was solid today. But, he, but I, I kind was, of he was hurt. He was hurt. I think he went underwent surge. Uh, uh, am I remembering that correctly? I don't know if I remember that correctly. But he was hurt in the off season, so he's still. So kind was of getting, Yeah, but I mean, he's still kind of getting up to speed a little bit, and I think that when you have Sears out there, when you have Quinterly out there, remember when you called him Quinerly? Was that you? No, I mispronounced <laughs> a lot of words on this show. Quinerly was not me. <laughs> um, all right, Geo. Let's talk about <laughs> Michigan State real quick here. Uh, they wow. were one of the more surprising teams coming in. Um, but after seeing the way that Kansas played um, in the battle for Atlantis, after seeing Duke struggle the way they struggled against Purdue, uh, and after seeing Kentucky kind of, you know, run into the buzzsaw that they ran into with Gonzaga, I am starting to think that the teams that were in the Champions Classic weren't really all that good. And maybe Michigan State isn't quite as good as being like a top 12 team in America. I know that they were banged up for this tournament they just played in, but they struggled with Portland. They lost to um uh they lost to Iowa State in the opener. So what what's your what's your takeaway on this Michigan State team? And were you surprised to see this group be as good as they were at the start of the year? I mean, yeah, I don't think they're a top 12 team in the country, right? I think that I think that uh, it's fair to say that's, you know, probably overrating them a little bit, um, you know, but I still think they're a very good basketball team, right? And I, and I think it's it's a mistake to underestimate Tom Izzo. It's a mistake to underestimate their backcourt, right? The way they're playing right now, I really like uh, Hoggard and um, why, am I, why am I spacing out? Walker. Tyson Walker. Yeah, yeah, I really like what they've been doing. Obviously, Malik Hall being out right now uh, hurts them a lot, but I mean, Michigan State basketball, man, I, I would never, ever underestimate Tom Izzo. That's that's probably my biggest take from it. What is what makes his teams so good? Like, why why are they consistently among the best teams in the Big Ten when you despite the fact that you see turnover, maybe they're not getting the same level of pros as some other programs? They're always the toughest. I think I, when, when I first came to Rutgers, um, you know, we would always kind of look at the, the top of the Big Ten and we'd say, who's the toughest team in the Big Ten? And we would kind of all look at each other and we'd all say Michigan State. Like, it, it was it was a very quick answer. And, um, and then our coach's response was, okay, well, then we need to be tougher than them. And that was kind of how we always approached it was, you know, we need to we need to rebound better than Michigan State. We need to be more physical than Michigan State. And if we're able to do that, then, you know, we're going to be able to scrape by some wins because we had zero talent when I first came to Rutgers. Um, you know, so that's kind of how we approached it. So, you know, looking at that, you can see just the, the respect factor. And I'm sure every other team would say the same thing is, is Michigan State is always the toughest. They always rebound the best. Right. They're always most physical and they always get out and run. They're always in the best uh, condition, too. Mm hmm. They have some. They have roster continuity this year. Mm. Uh, those guards, Walker and Hogard, have been together. They know how to play with each other. But the biggest, the, the biggest difference between this season and last year, guys, is Hauser. Like Joey, a good Joey Hauser changes that team completely because he's able to space it. They didn't have a whole lot of spacing last year for those two guards. This year they do, and if he's able, I think he's at 13, 13 and a half points a game. If he's that good for Michigan State, he provides a whole other element for them. And you don't have the inconsistencies that were Max Christie. 
I, I think now you have consistent effort. You have some continuity from last season. There's some familiarity between the players. And then the five men have stepped up and really embraced their roles. I, I, that's a big portion of it, too. But I think the biggest thing, a good Joey Hauser uh, changes uh, the projection for this Michigan State team. Did you see Mahdi making this leap, Gio? Did you expect that? Oh, no, no one, no one expected that. What do, you, what do you mean? I mean, again, going back to not underestimating Tom Izzo, right? He, he must have had a plan. He obviously must have saw him in the gym. But, uh, you know, the way he's been playing, uh, I don't think anyone could have expected this at all. Um, it's 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 been pretty it's it's been pretty to see, man. I'm not gonna lie. You know, that's that's a, a dude who's definitely been in the gym, definitely been working. So, you know, big tip of the hat to him. Hey, man, shout out Portland. They're good. Yes. Yeah. Shout out Portland. Hey, Christian Sherland is from the born in the same town in Norway that I'm born in. My dad helped his dad get to college in the United States. Talk about a small world. And then I coached uh, Juan Sebastian Gorsito, one of the most electric guards on the AAU scene, and he hadn't changed a bit. He is fun. They got a fun team. Uh, they can shoot the basketball. And he is – what's the coach's name again? Just because of my brain fart. Leggins. Man. He's a stud. He gets those guys to play hard. They're fun to watch. And, man, they had a really, really good showing at PK-85. Yeah, he's not yeah, going to be I, uh, in the WCC for too long. I, I can't imagine. Be hard to believe. It'd be hard to see him stay there. But, man, he, he's made them fun to watch. All right, so the UConn-Iowa State game is pretty much coming to an end. UConn is up by 14 points with two minutes left. I think it's safe to talk about this as if it's going to end up being a UConn win. Uh, T.O., you mentioned, I don't know if you said this on air or if you said it off air, um, you think UConn might be the best team in the Big East? Are you are you at that point? What, and, and They're what right there. They what are makes close. them so impressive to you? Uh, Andre Jackson's been impressive. I, I mean, his confidence is something different. We all know what Sonogo is. He stepped out. He's made a three this year. Everybody got kind of fired up for my man, and I'm happy for him too. It's always good when an awkward jumper goes in. We'll fire up the people. But for the most part, this UConn team, really long, really athletic. Uh, Donovan Klingon has done wonders to his body. I mean, like, he is in great shape. He's put on some good weight. He is enormous. Mm-hmm. And he provides a different type of lob threat. Like, Sonogo is more like you you come in, it's got to be a bounce pass because he's going to bully his way up. Klingon, you just throw it up there. And Calcaterra was a much better addition. Uh, than I thought he was going to be initially because he spaces a four out. And Tristan Newton's been pretty good. I, I think there was some hesitation for people to give him his flowers, but I think he's been solid so far. And I, I said this before the season, I still believe it. I think Hassan Diara was a really nice under-the-radar addition from Texas A&M. That is a hard-nosed dude from up that way, and he is a Danny Hurley type of dude. I almost said Bobby, but he is a Danny Hurley uh type of guy just tough rugged physical and really brings the pace and, and that's not even really talking about jordan hawkins and how good he has a potential to be and caravan who was two-time big east freshman of the week already in this season like there's a lot of pieces there there's a lot of pieces there and that yukon creighton game uh, appointment television yep that is uh january 7th on saturday a noon tip uh that one's going to be in stores and they play again in omaha saturday February 11th, uh, I am going to be fired up for those games. I, I think you can tell that, Gio. 
Oh yeah, I mean, I, I'm gonna be fired up too though, and I'm not even really a UConn fan, man. But uh, but first off, I don't know how you guys watch games while you do this podcast. I haven't watched a single second of this UConn game, just so you guys know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea how you guys do that. But um, you know what I like about them though is their depth and their toughness. Like you you talk about Danny Hurley and, and Hassan Diar being a Danny Hurley guy. I think all these guys are are Danny Hurley guys, and and that's why they work so well, right? They're Right now, Iowa State only has 53 points. Their toughness and their defense is gonna is gonna be what carries them. And, and um, you know, just so I, I like what I see so far in, in terms of in, in terms of that development. But um, you know, just tough guys overall. And, and um, you know, that's what Danny Hurley wants, and, and that's how they're gonna succeed. Yeah, Andre Jackson tonight has kind of had his uh, a little bit of a breakout game. Right, ten points, thirteen rebounds, three offensive, five assists. They credited him with two steals and one block, and I, I don't think that that's um, that's right. I think it's probably a little bit higher than that, but he's just, he, he's an inhuman athlete, what yeah, he can do. And he's, when he's flying around, when he is playing with energy and kind of, it's going to sound weird. He's got to play with energy, but play within himself because he can get a little bit crazy, right? He he's the kind of guy that can throw a highlight reel pass and then also throw the next three into like the ninth row, <laughs> Straight maybe out take out a guy that's, you know, walking around with the cotton candy, um, yeah. delivering it, maybe hit a kid in the face, something like that. Kids, um, kids gotta have, have his head on a swivel. Like it's not yes. his fault. He's got to be ready. Like you yeah, can't just you be gotta there. you gotta be ready if Andre Jackson is playing, sitting press row, sitting courtside. Like you never know what's gonna end up happening. No, nah, but he he's playing with a different confidence. Like I, yes. I'm 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 about ten seconds behind you, and like the way he's handling the ball, the way he's squaring up the defense. Like think about how much offensive ability your team has to have in order to put seventy one points on Iowa State and beat them by twenty, mm-hmm. you know, basically. Like you have to have some firepower and you have to have guys that get places off the bounce and they have guys. And here's, here's the thing too. And we're creeping up. It's been an hour, but like they have guys you can run screens off of, or you can run screens for off the ball. They have guys who can break down a defense. They have a post threat. They have a lob threat and they have defensive versatility. Like there's a lot of options for the Huskies this year. A lot of options. And we haven't even seen Samson Johnson, who is like probably their, when it comes to upside in terms of long-term pro potential, he's probably the guy that has the highest upside. Uh, when they they played, um, they played. How about Klingon getting MVP? He, there's no way he got MVP. He j- he game. did, uh, yeah. unless it was a typo by Espen. Maybe for maybe for this game, but if he got MVP for the tur- that for that the tournament, tournament, that's that's nuts. That's that's insane. He scored four points against Alabama. Played 11 minutes, and then he got it MVP. Should, I, I, I must be going crazy. Let me rewind it. You might, yeah, you might be right. They they showed him on they showed him on TV. So um, they had a close up of my been on mute. Uh, but I mean, it's the to me, it is the number of different looks that you can get. Right. Oh, Every MVP. single player on that team has a specific role that they've been brought in to do, and really understands it. I think it's super dangerous when you can have the kind of post presence that Klingon and Sonogo are. You have a guy like Caravan at the four who's like, he just, he's such a good passer. He's always in the right place. Always, um, especially defensively, he's longer than you think he can shoot it. Uh, Jordan Hawkins, the three threat that he is. And then you have Andre Jackson and, uh, and um, why am I blanking on the kid from East Carolina? Tristan Tristan Newton. Newton. They're Mm -hmm. both big. They're both able to handle the point. You can put them in ball screen situations Um, in, in an ideal world. You can kind of have them both play off the ball. It's just. I got a lot of depth. It's a lot of depth. Yeah. They're 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 deep. Joey Calcaterra, Joey California coming in, knocking down a couple threes every game is something that I did not 
expect to happen. They're legit nine deep. Legit nine deep. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we'll wrap with this because I know uh, Dagan's trying to get out of here. Um, he doesn't like hanging around for the afters anymore. He's uh, he's too cool for that. But uh, he, he'd who... be on here if Seton Hall won. He'd be yeah, on here real. if Seton Hall won. He'd be ready for 1230. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, look, for the people in the chat, we are going to get into the afters um, once we kind of get more into the heart of the season. For the most part, when it comes to, to days like today, there are a lot of big games, but we pretty much touched on all of the big games. We didn't get to Oklahoma Ole Miss. We didn't get to St. Louis Auburn, but when we pretty much touch on everything we need to touch on, we kind of get in and get out in an hour. Um, once we get on Sirius XM, once that starts going live, we'll have the afters again. I want to ask you guys this, and we can get out of here. Out of the what what team impressed you the most, surprised you the most, maybe changed your uh, opinion on them long term this season the most, good or bad? Uh, was it Tennessee? Was it UConn? Was it Arizona? Was it um, was it Creighton? Was it uh, was it Purdue? Like which which team to are you now sitting here like okay I have a very different opinion of what they could end up being this season based off of what we saw during Feast Week. NC State, without question, they had a great showing down there. They they kept it close with Kansas. Uh, I, I was apprehensive. They added DJ Burns from Winthrop, who is a walking refrigerator. This dude is huge. <laughs> and like, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing because he holds his position. Uh, he actually guarded pretty well. They've changed how they're functioning a little bit. Like NC state loves to get out and pressure full court, uh, get their guards up in you, make you nervous. Once you get past half court, they're back in the gaps uh, because they have to protect the rim a little bit more. Cause Manny Bates isn't sitting back there. It's DJ Burns. It's uh, Dusan Mohor, the the Utah transfer. I'm just butchering his last name, but the Utah transfer, who the Serbian kid, like they have to play in the gap. The amount more, of time so. you spent in Europe, Tio, the the fact that you have no ability to be able to pronounce, uh, dude, I've knocked out pronunciation. How dare you? How the, the, dare you? I'm just no ability to pronounce this stuff. It's right. like I just can't remember his name. Let's just that's say how that. I, I that's how I know you're southern, right? That's Dusan. that's how his I know that the southern has just it just gotten ingrained. His name in is Dusan. His name is Dusan. So <laughs> I'll just call him by his first name because we're on first name basis. So Dusan's playing well. They're in the gaps, and then like Jarkel Joyner was a hell of an addition. Mm-hmm. Like he is a quality piece, and he fits Kevin Keats exactly. I, I thought it was going to be an awkward fit, but because they've changed some things schematically, what they're doing defensively, like I really like NC State it, as on the bubble and making it in the tournament. Yeah, I think that, that that, I love that team, I, and they're just fun to watch. They fun to they play a fun brand. A Jack Clark LaSalle transfer, he was good. Uh, I kind of knew what Tennessee was. I kind of knew what some of these other teams were. I I was apprehensive on NC State. RC warned us. I should have I should have taken his word for it, but. Uh, I I think the Wolfpack, I think that's an NCAA tournament team. Yep. Gio, how about you? I think for me, it's Purdue. All right. I think there was, I mean, we did the Big Ten preview show together and, you know, we, we kind of went through the list and there was a ton of questions about Purdue. We didn't know how their freshman backcourt was going to be, right, until until they got into game time action. And, you know, now that I've seen it from uh, Braden Smith and uh, Lawyer, Right. These guys are legit, man. They got and they got swagger too. Like I really, I really like their swagger. So uh, I'm I'm excited to see like see how they continue to develop. Um, you know, but I think they're you know top five team and a potential contender, which is, you know is good to see out of the Big Ten. Yeah. Uh, so Purdue would have been mine in the positive direction. I, I was quietly bullish on UConn. I didn't think they were going to be quite this good, but I thought that they were like a top fifteen ish kind of a team. Um, so I'm going to go the other way. I, Kansas to me, after watching them struggle as much as they struggle to score the ball 
without that low post presence with uh with the superstar and Jalen Wilson that um that can't make shots. I don't know how that shot doesn't go in. It looks great when it leaves his hand and ends up hitting the other side of the back. His weight distribution is off. I, I wish somebody would fix it. Like he, everything works. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this has no, been well. bugging the hell out of me. This has been <laughs> bugging me so bad because I just want to go up and say something, but I'm not a coach. I'm not going to stick my nose in somebody else's business, but like, like now that we're just talking hoops and this is what we do, his, his shoulders fall back every time. If he kept his shoulders forward, he'd shoot 10 percentage points better. Like I'm telling, like he falls out of his shots. And a lot of times the reason that happens, Gio, and you probably know this because you're a hard worker too. Like these guys that work really hard when they shoot, they're trying to step back in order to get their feet set again. So where you could step into it. Yeah. So it's like, you're kind of like the repetition almost goes backwards. You don't really shoot a full shot. So like he's shooting it and his shoulders are falling out. Somebody just needs to go up and put their hands on his shoulder blades and be like, dude, when you release, do not go back. Finish the entire shot. I promise he will shoot seven to eight percentage points better. And it looks good. It should go in. But he leans out of it. And it's happened It happened for the past two years. I'm like, why? Because it looks good. You're like, why in the world is this not better? And <laughs> it, he just doesn't make shots. And it should go in. But his weight is is all going the wrong way whenever he shoots. I'm just Sorry. picturing you right now yeah. on press row in, in, in Atlantis grabbing yeah, I would that never, third, I that third empty bag of Doritos <laughs> and getting and just clumping it up really angrily and slamming it in the trash can after watching uh Dude, just watching crumbling up Fritos and just eating them like a little child, just face just mushed, <laughs> like just drove me. It it like it, it, I hate it for the kid because he plays his butt off. Like he is really a good player. Like if he hit two threes a game, like it changes everything for him. He's averaging 24 and 10 and he can't make a shot. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And he's he's above 30 if if he's he probably honestly right now, even with those issues, he's probably a first team all-American for me right now. Yeah, me point. too. Me yeah, too. He's, he's been he's had a great terrific year down but there, but God, he just doesn't make one. I, I was sitting with a bunch of NBA scouts who's like, God, we don't get it. Like, yeah. why is he missing? And yeah. I just yeah, sorry. No, I just I, I that's my my biggest thing was them. I thought he was gonna take a step forward. McCullough can't really shoot it. Grady Dick, you can kind of scheme him out of a game. You know, like he's he's uh he's not great defensively. You can attack him on that end. They play the two small guards, and they just get nothing out of their their fives. So that I, I thought that they were like top five kind of a team coming into the season. Uh, I was bullish on them, and I'm like they're they might not even twenty. But yeah, they might 20, not be. Five, they might not 20, right 25. now. They, and and look, Bill Self is going to figure that shit out because that's what he does is he figures that shit out. But I don't think that they're top four. They're top three in the Big Twelve right now. Texas, I think, is the best team in that league. I think Baylor is probably next best team. And then I think I probably have Texas Tech either right there or slightly above them heading in. By the way, sleeper team, Kansas State. Can we can we keep an eye on this group? They're good, man. They're really good. Like they are, they are tournament, maybe win a game in a tournament good. Naquan Tomlin, stud. T.O., you that look, I'm never gonna give you credit for anything. I will give you credit on that one. Um, you were you were 100. I got the Palo Bancaro one too, right? After seeing him one game, you guys, I don't want to do this today. <laughs> the Panther said, "Well, no, you, you." He said, "Geo, he said that Palo Bancaro was a better NBA prospect than Zion Williamson." Oh, I don't know about all that. Yeah, look at Palo the numbers, was, baby. You, you, look at you the numbers, the, baby. <laughs> you got you were 100 correct about Palo being the best player in this draft class. But the idea that you're going to take a victory lap for saying he was a better prospect than Zion Williamson, I'll he give was. you this though. At least, at least he's on the floor. At he least was. he's not hurt. Yeah, he <laughs> at least he's out there playing. Listen, this has been fun, Gio. It was great to finally have you on a on a real 
after dark. Um, and you know, we got another, we got the big ACC big 10 challenge coming up this week. We have the big, uh, big East, big 12, whatever they call that thing coming up this week. We got a lot of good basketball coming up this week. Uh, so we are going to call it here. That is the end of feast week. It is a wrap. The end of maybe the greatest sports weekend in the history of sports and in the history of weekends. So for Terrence Oglesby, for Geo Baker, for our producer, Dagan Hughes, my name is Rob Dawson. This has been the field of 68.